podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net. And follow us on Twitter at CypherCast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing, All You Are Is Mine to Use, wherein we'll discuss creatures from the red sun. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast... All You Are Is Mine To Use, we discuss the books and other releases for our Invisible Sun games. This time we're going to talk about the creatures that you're going to find, or that you, some of the creatures you can find under the red sun. Uh, also, I apologize in advance because I'm still sick with what I had last time. Uh, I got over it and then it came back and I'm kind of over it again, but I'm, I still feel gross. I'm sure it'll, it will uh, work out great. Everyone will be quite patient. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna love it. Um, <laughs> so maybe, maybe, maybe my voice is pitched down another octave or something. Uh, all right. So Red Sun, uh, we we talked about this. Did we talk about this on the previous episode? No, we didn't. A couple episodes back. Yeah, um, I made it. I made a joke in the Twitter comments that it was going to be the next episode, but uh, well, that joke. Oh, it's broken. Sorry. Um, cause we didn't talk about the red creatures in the next episode. Right. You know, that, that wonderful Twitter humor. Uh, <laughs> so the red sun, um, themes of the red sun very quickly. We'll recap these. Um, it's destruction. It's demons. It's not necessarily evil. I mean, demons probably, yes, but, uh, destruction in and of itself is not, evil under the red sun that's just how it goes it's the natural order of things and that order being destruction and chaos Aha. Um, it is uh, different from the uh, destruction that you see under the pale um, which the pale sun is just sort of a slow decay over time over here under the red sun it's a an active destruction uh, sort of like a force of nature that will wipe things out very quickly and actively seeks to destroy. Um, so let's let's talk about some creatures. Uh, well, they're all demons. That was a good episode. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us. <laughs> or do we want to talk about some of these creatures in particular? I, I think we could devote some time to particularly interesting. Uh, creatures out out of what is a relatively long list of creatures from the red sun the, all right so yeah there are a lot of creatures in under the red sun that are just demons um so i i skipped over a few of them uh and you know i, I initially skipped over the cassette spur because i said oh that's that's cute it's interesting uh but you know it's it's another demon uh but then i came back to it uh for some reason and uh, I think I will remember why once we talk about some of the other ones. But the Cassid Spur is this tiny spur or horn-shaped demonic parasite. Like, cool, that's interesting. Uh, and the thing it really likes to do is 
feed on and control demons and angels. Um, but it'll it'll feed on Vizlay if the opportunity presents itself. Uh, it's it's good enough, but it would prefer to feed on demons and angels. Um, ultimately, it controls them. So there is um, one of the abilities that this thing has is it can control the target uh, that it is you know eating. Um, and I think the reason I took this is because it was an example of um, like a different form of destruction. It's destroying, you know, uh, it's destroying a character's control. It's destroying their agency. It's destroying their mind rather than just, you know, absolute physical destruction, which I think is the easy way to go under the red sun. This felt like more of a surreal take on what can destruction be. Um, and we're going to see this theme come up with a few of the other creatures that we see in here. Yeah, it reminded me of the scene in Cloverfield when the big Godzilla-like Cloverfield monster stomping around, but also these little bitty parasitic creatures fall off of it and they cause problems of their own. And so I can imagine yeah. a big demon stomping around and dropping these things and they present a, their own hazard for uh, the Vizlay of your party. Yeah, that would be really good. Um, you know, it you might have one of these creatures feeding on this demon, but it's sloughing off, you know, parts of itself that, you know, manifest as tiny cassette spurs that the Vizlay have to deal with when they're, you know, marching around through the red zone. So the next one I've got is I, I wanted to pick this one up because this is the claw of the red. It is when I, when I read the description for it, it's stuck out to me as, Oh, this is, this is your classic demon. It's a leather winged monstrosity. Uh, it's covered in scars and it's, you know, bleeding from these wounds that it's suffered during the course of its life. Uh, the little invisible sun twist on this is that, uh, when you're close to this thing, you're going to suffer from bad dreams and bad ideas. Um, and it's got another interesting take on destruction here that I liked. Uh, and this was um, eroding bonds of friendship and camaraderie because when this thing is around, uh, things are harder to do. So like one of its abilities is that, you know, whenever you try to do something around this, your action is harder unless that action is an act of betrayal then it is a lot easier to perform that action. So this is, you know, trying to destroy the, you know, bonds that you have with the rest of your group or perhaps with an NPC or something. Basically, it's encouraging you to destroy your own life and uh, make things worse, <laughs> which I thought was an interesting little twist. And it's the first of these creatures that introduces a theme that pops up across many that you've chosen. Uh, destruction is not just tearing down buildings. It is not just violent acts against entities. It is also kind of destruction of ideas, concepts, relationships, and other intangible elements. And many of these demons sort of attack on two levels. They are both going to impale you uh, physically, but they also have abilities that allow them to or empower them in destroying, say, relationships or, uh, uh, you know, uh, concepts. Yeah, not everything here is just a rust monster that eats your equipment. It's it's eroding the the things that 
your intangible characteristics and how you you know interact with you know society yeah as we said before the game is a lot about meaning creating and manipulating meaning well that also means the destruction is about the destruction of meaning not just the destruction of bodies because hey death isn't that big a deal in invisible sun Uh, but uh, the destruction of a concept or a meaning could be uh, a much more uh, heartfelt loss than just material goods given the de-emphasis of material goods in the game yeah um, so this next one is uh, something that's already been destroyed and it's found a home here under the red sun. It's uh, the decayed thought. This is uh, an idea or a concept that's become withered and incomplete. Uh, and it's become, you know, it's found its home under the red sun. So you have these, you know, half formed thoughts or, you know, half forgotten memories floating around under the red sun and what they want to do is infest the minds of beings that they encounter in order to be remembered. Um, and there's there's not much to this. This this isn't this is one of the creatures under an invisible sun that feels more like uh, an encounter uh, or just a little sort of scene where you present this role playing opportunity to your players and say. Oh, one of you gets infected with this unformed or half-remembered thought. Uh, like, how do you deal with this? How does it play out? It's not something that you kill with a sword or even blast with a fireball. Yeah, magic's going to probably, you know, take some sort of effect, but you're going to have to use your magic in a way to deal with this problem that would be more creative than just, you know, telling it to leave. I saw this as as almost more of a MacGuffin than a creature. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine there could be really interesting arcs where you have to either recover a, dis- a decayed thought um, or you know, somehow it, it comes to you and you need to redeem the decayed thought, which is to make the thought complete. Um, and I don't know what that means. And it means it would depend upon the nature of the incomplete thought. But then you have to carry the burden of the decayed thought throughout the process of redeeming or completing this decayed thought. I don't know what to do with that yet, but it sounds like there's a, there's a story there that can be told. Um, I just haven't cracked how I would use it in my uh, campaign. Sounds like you have an incomplete thought about how you would use this. Yes. And I'm taking damage from the frustration (laughs) of being so close to being able to complete this idea. So frustrated, angry, unfulfilled. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Wait, what's that knocking at the door? Maybe it's a claw of the red now. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, this next one I liked a lot. Uh, the Delusive Spider. Uh, this one's super good. Uh, what's that D&D monster? Um, the Sphere of Annihilation? Uh, the Sphere of Annihilation is a magic item. That's a magic item? Okay. Yeah. I thought there was like a living Sphere of Annihilation of sorts in, under the- Dungeons and Dragons. It wouldn't shock me that there would be one in Tomb of Annihilation, which I have not read. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But this delusive spider reminded me a lot of that. So think of the Sphere of Annihilation, but with spider legs, and uh, it likes to crawl around and consume anything that it touches. Um, so basically, anything that you try to attack this with will just be consumed if if it is smaller than the. Uh, hole it's 
Okay, so it's a living hole in reality with spider legs. And if you try to interact with it with anything that is smaller than the hole, it will just be consumed and cease to exist. Like, that's that's great. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, it's not a super tough creature, but it has this restriction that says, hey, if you do anything with this thing that can fit into the hole, it's going to fit into the hole and disappear. So this is this is one of those creatures that breaks the rules of Invisible Sun and says, yeah, this isn't a super tough encounter, but if you approach it, uh, you're going to discover that there are certain things that you can do that will completely and utterly fail. It reminds me of a creature as a puzzle. Yeah. Which is something my players really like. Um, and I, I kind of wish I had reviewed this before my last encounter because uh, this is a creature that would have worked very well for one of the encounters I had planned for our last session. Mm-hmm. And I can now save it for another time. But it I just now like, oh, it's a missed opportunity. Uh, because like I said, my players love these kind of creatures as puzzles where it's not, a, it's not just about, can you hit it hard enough before it hard, hits you hard enough to kill you? Um, instead it is about like, here's a problem. Here's a rule exception, something that's breaking the rules of, of Saturine and the actuality. Um, and we need to get it away from where it's causing the most damage. Now, when you introduce one of these puzzle creatures, do you demonstrate what the creature can do and then say to the players what do you do now like oh this typically yeah and and that's kind of how i do it and i'm never quite sure if like it always feels like that's the way you should do it but then it also kind of feels like sometimes you give away the gimmick of the creature and it's not so much a puzzle anymore It, it varies a little bit if i have an idea of how they will learn about the creature's gimmick <laughs> without necessarily losing something permanent or, you know, that in a way that, 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 that learning the, the lesson won't be too traumatic. Then I might make, te- you know, might not have the creature demonstrate its uh, particular gimmick until the players act. But if I worry that uh, they, you know, th- that any demonstration of this sort of singularity effect for the spider uh, might cause them real problems if they don't know exactly what it is. I need to give them a chance to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that's when I would have it demonstrate what it does before they act. Um, speaking of things that will just consume whatever they can fit, uh, <laughs> let's talk about that horrid feeder. Yeah. I like this one. Um, I like this guy because of the uh, image that it invoked when I read through it. Uh, so this is a... It's a minor demon, and it likes to eat things. It's uh, a, a dapper, well-dressed, human-looking demon that's about two feet tall. But its mouth can open impossibly large when it's eating. So it, you know, it looks very diminutive and harmless, but apparently it can just eat anything. Which, that's fun. Yeah, I thought... In reading this, I thought of a kind of fun mystery story set in Saturine where something is, you know, uh, is eating everyone and everything in restaurants. And there's evidence that it is demonic, um, that it is from the red sun, but no one's seen a demon come and come and go because instead this particular demon has the uh, form that blends in nicely to Saturine, which is just this dapper gentleman. Mm hmm. 
and there's and nothing that, who it is. Yeah. yeah and there's nothing that seems terribly odd about a dapper gentleman that's two feet tall in the city no the only thing that would be weird is that you know, they don't have a, a soul right and that can be part of the clue trail they have to figure out like we, we there's something there's some sort of calling card or some sort of uh remainder after these attacks that at, after a little bit of research reveals it has to be uh, connected to the red sun. Then they've got to figure out what demon could this be? And they might chase down leads that lead them to the wrong demons uh, before they eventually find out that, Oh, it was that inconspicuous uh, dapper gentleman. Uh, and then, you know, it just like one little session contained mystery uh, in Saturine where I thought this could be used and having creatures you could use in Saturine is, is particularly uh, kind of broadens their application. Uh, it's important to note that when these things eat, it is horrifically messy. Have fun describing that. Yeah. But, you know, there's your calling card. Um, all right. Abraxas. Why did I like this one? Oh, it's another demon that can open its mouth impossibly large. <laughs> um, so it's a large muscular human, unlike the uh, horrid feeder. And it can open its mouth super, super big. And do you know what's inside that mouth? It's, it's not another mouth. It's a it's a tiny little imp. Well, it's an imp that has a mouth. Well, yeah, yeah, it might. <laughs> um. So yeah, okay. This thing doesn't eat creatures. It um. It uh. Okay. <laughs> I I remember why I picked this one. It was for two reasons. It has you know it has a mouth that gets really big. Uh, it has a stupid little imp inside its mouth. Uh, but the other thing it does is it. Um, causes people to turn on their allies. So here we are back to destruction of the bonds between friends, uh, destruction of bonds in a group. So, hey, um, we have another, well, reinforcing the idea that destruction is not just physical destruction, but it's, you know, under Invisible Sun, we're looking at destroying other things. And that will be a challenge uh, conceptually, but rewarding when it's worked out in, in individual circumstances. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, paroxysm. This is a big old horse demon. Um, I think I liked this one because its mane was made of scorpions. I mean, it's that's great. Oh, uh, the other thing I liked about this is um, it raised a really, it raised a question for me. Uh, it destroys everything it sees and it specifically calls out that it all, like it destroys everything it sees, including promises and agreements. Like what, how do you see a promise? Like, how do you see an agreement? What, what is going on? Well, and I, <clears throat> I took this challenge and I'd say that this is a way to use the creature in different types of stories that a uh, nefarious goetic might summon a paroxysm to destroy things where the direct consequences of that destruction is that it tempts people into, into breaking their own oaths and promises. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that it's destroying, it's destroying the promise because it's creating a situation that the person who made the promise will then break that promise. And that strikes me as even more, you know, demony than, uh, manifesting a document that represents the promise and then eating it. Yeah, like that would be a really interesting use. And hmm, I would have to. So 
like a lot of these, these aren't necessarily good random encounters, but right. they are things you can draw into your stories. I, I don't think that Invisible Sun in general is a random encounter sort of game. No. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that much. But if you had if you had a situation where like, oh, I'm trying to find someone is trying to break this treaty or promise on whatever scale, like, oh, well, they might do it by summoning a paroxysm or you might create magic items that are themed off of paroxysms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good way to, you know, sunder some sort of contract that, you know, you're trying to get rid of. Um, yeah, it would definitely be in line for what a Goetic would be summoning well demons for. Or you could reverse it and have the players in a situation where they need to destroy a promise. Like someone made an ill-considered promise. Think of like a fairy tale, Rumblestiltskin sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So they need a way to destroy the promise, but they can't just destroy the, you know, they need something that is specifically designed to destroy the promise. So they have to go capture a paroxysm and bring it to this location where it can consume the promise and free this person from their obligation. It would be an interesting set of dots to connect. Yes. <laughs> a little difficult, but um, I mean, yeah, that would be something you'd probably have to lay out and say, we need to break this promise. What can we find to do that? All right, let's do some research. Hey, guess what? There's a demon that destroys things like promises. Mm -hmm. um, the last one I picked out was uh, the Warmonger because uh, the art for the Warmonger is super great. Um, it's a demon with hundreds of pointed legs. Um, it does some other interesting things too. It tells stories, often false tales of the war. Um, so if you're interested in uh, tempting your players with tales of the war that may or may not be false, uh, talking to a warmonger might be very interesting. Um, and this also has a thing, uh, it has an ability that um, can get creatures to do things that they consider atrocious so this thing is destroying the truth it's destroying history it is destroying you know your sense of self by tempting you to do things that you normally wouldn't do yeah lots of opportunities here if you want the war to feature as a, a major background element of your of your uh, narrative yeah and it's an interesting background element i think because no one talks about the war, but the warmonger talks about the war. But you shouldn't believe what the warmonger has to say about the war. But if the warmonger is the only one talking about the war, a lot of people are likely to believe what the warmonger says about the war. Yeah, but I mean, why would you seek out a warmonger to hear about the war? Like we don't, we don't talk about it. We don't want to hear about it. Uh, but some, some might. So I think this more as not something the players would seek out unless. A lie about the war is something they need for some reason. And in this game, lies are resources too. Yeah. But more likely, it's a cause of a problem. Um, it is, you know, maybe the center of a giant conspiracy that it begins based on its false tales of the war. Hmm. And that could create an entire antagonist group for the uh, players to deal with. Yeah, so that would be interesting. Um, so are there any other creatures under the red sun that you want to touch on or closing thoughts? This seems like a good selection. You can see there, there this is maybe half of the creatures out under the red sun. Yeah, there's still a lot of creatures there. 
Um, and you can see the variety that, and again, we, we see kind of lessons coming out of these designs. Uh, a lot of these demons are not physical or not merely physical threats. They are intending to destroy things that are intangible and they are, uh, options for you to draw story ideas out of rather than simply populating a dungeon. Yeah. And that's well suited for Invisible Sun, but it is a sort of a shift for some people if they're accustomed to um, other games where uh, the, you know, the quote unquote, uh, you know, the creature compendium or whatever you're using would uh, mostly be independent creatures that are um, uh, hit points, uh, an attack rating and two interesting attacks they do. And then you put them in a room and that's what you that's that's your job. Um, here, you might have to design a whole story around one of these creatures. It reminds me more of what the role of creatures in, say, a Call of Cthulhu game, where it's creating mysteries. And so you don't just stock rooms full of these creatures. You just say, okay, well, I want to use this creature. Well, what would this creature do in the story? How would the players encounter the effects of this creature and then eventually hunt down that creature and hopefully uh, destroy that creature? And so each of these creatures is really an entire series of encounters, not just the next room guarding a pie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of been, I think, what we've continued to rediscover when we talk about the creatures is that these aren't just combat encounters. These are these are story ideas. And that's working great for my, my group because my group does not like combat. combat and <laughs> last time, combat really slowed down the session. It was noticeable. Um, and so all, all the more reason we do, don't do it very often. But these conceptual creatures uh, fit in nicely with the, what, my, uh, what, what my table really likes to, to, to encounter. Yeah. Uh, and combat does work. We've done it. Um... But I've found that these creatures are the ones I come to when I'm looking for story ideas. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha help people find us.